Tonight I'm preaching a part two. Um, last week uh, I preached the part one, uh, and um, we focused on on Peter, and so I called it Peter Part One and Peter Part Two. But the true title of this series, this little two-week series, is Jesus is faithful. <laughs> Jesus is faithful. Um, I'm not up here preaching on Peter. We're just talking about Peter, but it points us to Jesus. It points us to a faithful God. I want to start with this passage from Proverbs chapter 24. For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in the time of calamity. For a righteous man falls seven times. It doesn't end there. He rises again. There was an instance when Jesus was teaching on forgiveness. And Peter asked him, Jesus, how many times must I forgive someone who has sinned against me? Seven times. I love the cool bit of symmetry that we have here. And actually, as, as I'm preaching this message, there's going to be several instances of just amazing, godly, orderly symmetry and balance. And Jesus just brings some things full circle. And it's amazing. Peter asks, how many times should I forgive someone who, who has sinned against me? Seven times? And Jesus responds with, no, buddy, 70 times seven. And even then, that's not the right answer. The answer is, we always forgive. We constantly forgive. The story of Peter is one of a man who gets knocked down seven times, so to speak. Peter gets knocked down a lot. But this is a story of a righteous man. And as we see in this passage, a righteous man does what? Gets up. This is a story of Peter rising again. Knocked down, gets back up. Knocked down, gets back up. So my question to you guys is this. When all is said and done, how will your story be told? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are awesome. You could never be praised enough. You could never be praised enough. You could never be shouted loud enough. We could never act a fool enough for you. We could never make ourselves vulnerable and yielded enough to convey our love and our appreciation for you. Jesus, thank you that you didn't make any of this about religion, but you made it about relationship, that we could be with you and we could be reunited with the Father in relationship because of your work, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, right now I just yield to you. I say do that awesome thing you do where you personalize this word for us. Lord, I ask you, do that. Holy Spirit, make each person feel like this message was handcrafted for them, not by me but by you, O Lord. I yield to you. Have your way, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. I want to kind of move over here. That pull is my nemesis. Maybe I'll move over here. No. All right. We're just out of luck there. Sorry. Yeah, that's... 
Recently, uh, Rocky and Rocky 2 and Rocky 3 and Rocky 4 and Rocky 5 were all on TV. And I am a sucker for the Rocky movies. Uh, I, I think a decade or a couple decades or a few decades is spoiler alert enough. If you haven't seen the Rocky movies, he wins most of them. You know, he doesn't win every time, but from Rocky 2 on, he wins. And Rocky 3 is my favorite. It's got Clubber Lang. It's got Mr. T. It's got a young, svelte, just bad, bad man, Mr. T. And if you don't know who Mr. T is, shame on you. Shame on you. Leave this sermon right now and go... No, don't do that. You know, we'll Google it together later. But Mr. T was bad as Clubber Lang. And there was a point when, when Rocky, as in every Rocky movie, once again, it's not a spoiler alert if it's four decades old. Um, he's just getting the mud just beat out of him. And he's just taking it and he keeps, you know, Rocky says a lot of things that sound like, oh, oh. I mean, this time he's like, oh, you ain't so bad. You ain't so tough. You ain't so bad. And Clubber just keeps swinging. And of course, at the end, Rocky wins and just pummels him, and it's awesome. You guys, we need to hear the words from God to us, but with a different tone, with a different accent, and with a different meaning. You're not so bad. You're not so bad. For our story to be written as one who gets up, we have to make it a point that we don't allow the enemy to lie to us and think that our sins are so bad that we can't be forgiven. That our sins are so bad or that our failures are so repetitive that we disqualify ourselves from God's love, from forgiveness, from His plan, from His destiny. None of that. That's the lie of the enemy. That is the plan of the enemy to make you feel like there's nothing I can do. You know how you know how much I'd have to pay to even get caught up? Well, that's the good news, guys. We don't got to pay Jack. Jesus Christ paid it for us. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, if, if we were to, you know, to go out to dinner, there's a lot of people in this room that if I went to pay, you'd have a tough time letting me pay for you. Now, there's others of you, most of you would be like, hey, awesome, yeah, I was hoping you'd pay. Um, but, you know, there's some of you that would be like, no, I, I, can't, I can't let someone... No, I've got it. You guys, we cannot be that way when it comes to Jesus Christ because there is no price that we can pay for our sin. There's no price we can pay to to earn it. You guys, religion is about earning the favor of God, earning the approval of God. Jesus is about relationship where that he did the work and because he did, God holds nothing against us. I love the story of Peter because he didn't stay down. Luke chapter 22. I want to do a quick recap here. Peter's last connection, his last communication, his last moment here on earth with Jesus before Jesus was crucified and died was we see in, in this passage. I'm going to kind of do, you know, kind of do a little foreshadowing. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 34 gives us that foreshadowing. Jesus is talking to Peter, who he calls Simon. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. 
but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And once, and, and when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. I'm going to pause right there for a second. I, I want to point out some obvious things. Sometimes we read through passages. This isn't what my message is about, but it's one of those obvious things. Number one, spiritual warfare begins with prayer. Simon, Simon, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you that the enemy would not have his way with you. Okay, so spiritual warfare begins with prayer. We have got to be a praying church. We've got to be lifting up one another. If Jesus demonstrated that he prayed for those around him, friends, we've got to be doing the same. We have got to be praying. And we know that the enemy's plan is still the same. Destruction, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his plan for us. Death, depression, hardship, defeat. God's plan is quite opposite. I want to point out something else also. Jesus says, once when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. This is just cool to me. Jesus is sitting there saying, Satan wants to destroy you, so I'm praying for you. But when you've fallen and you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Guys, if you are in a dark place, if you are in a place of, of depression or heaviness or darkness about you, I want to encourage you with a couple things. Number one, do not do it alone. Do not walk through it alone. We're not, none of us are the Lone Ranger. None of us are an island. We're not supposed to do it alone. We're supposed to be together. And the second thing is this. You guys, there is power in serving others. There's Jesus talking to Peter going, when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. When you've turned again, don't make it about you. Strengthen others. When you've turned again, don't make it about your weakness or your failure or that you have fallen. Strengthen others. Guys, we make a mistake by thinking when we're in those dark places that we have nothing to offer or that we've got to hold on to every bit of strength we have because I'm on the verge of losing it so I I can't afford to pour into anybody right now. That is a lie from the enemy. We have to pour into others. How do, that's part of a way of getting filled up. If you come to me and you're like, man, I'm just, I, I, you know, I feel tired and I feel weary. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to encourage you. And I'm going to say, all right, let's find a way for you to serve. Let's find a way for you to serve. Not surf. Serve. Let's continue. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith might not fail. And when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, this is Peter's reply, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, Jesus said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. First of all, imagine how tough that would be to take. You get that word from the Lord and you're like, oh, no way, Lord, no way. But I think deep inside, most of the time we know we're not Superman. There's not an S on any of our chests. Verse 54. Having arrested him, Jesus, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. 
after they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyards. And that's key. I want you to remember that. After they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. And a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, another saw him and said, You are one of them too. But Peter said, Man, I am not. After about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, Before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. And he went out and wept bitterly. When we blow it, we hurt. When we fail, we hurt. I believe we all have expectations we have of ourselves. I do. I know I do. I have very high expectations for myself. For myself. And when I blow it, I hurt. And sometimes I, I, I cry. Peter denied Jesus. That was his last failure. And soon thereafter, Jesus is horrifically beaten, brutally beaten and whipped and tortured, and then murdered on a cross. What do you think is going through Peter's mind? His last, his last actions, his last opportunity, and perhaps in his mind, his last opportunity ever. Because Jesus died. Praise God, we know he didn't stay that way. Amen. I mentioned having items of symmetry. Um, and I'm a graphic designer by trade, so I love symmetry. I love balance. You know, if I'm you know, doing a brochure and there's birds in the air, I always make sure there's like either five or seven because I like... I like a little unbalance there, you know. But most other things, I, I want it weighted just right. So I, there's some just real neat ways that we see balance uh, in this lesson. Number one, the, the Sea of Galilee. The call to follow at Galilee Sea. Matthew chapter 4 tells us about when Jesus first called Simon Peter to follow him. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately Peter dropped what he was doing and followed Jesus. And for three years, Peter made his job fishing for souls. 
For three years, Peter walked with Jesus, served with Jesus, and didn't fish, fish, but sought out the salvation of souls. Now we jump ahead to Peter days after he had experienced the biggest failure of his life. He had denied Jesus three times. And definitely on the heels of making that bold statement of, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you. Lord, I'm ready to go to death for you. Let's jump ahead to after Jesus has risen from the dead. After Peter had ran to the tomb, saw it empty. After Peter had had a personal encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And he's still struggling. John chapter 21 Verse 1. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will come, we also, we will come also with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Peter returns to where? The Sea of Galilee. Peter returns to what? Doing what he knew, fishing. The same place where Jesus had called Peter to follow him three years earlier. Now Peter has returned. But he'd also returned to what he knew, what he was comfortable with, to that place of comfort. That's an easy thing to do, guys. When we fail, it's easy to go to that place of comfort and say, ah, who am I kidding? Peter's simple statement of I'm going fishing could very easily have been his announcement of I'm throwing in the towel. I'm I'm renouncing my discipleship. Not not because Jesus isn't worthy, but because I'm not worthy. It had been an exciting three years. Too bad it had to end. Too bad I was a chump. Too bad I blew it. Time to face reality. I'm a fisherman, plain and simple, nothing more. And I'll never be anything more than a fisherman. Who who was I kidding? Who was I kidding? I'm just a fisherman. Friends, too many times we are the ones who give up on ourselves. But I want you to hear this. God never gives up on us. I want there to be a call to repentance right now. Repentance means this, to rethink to come to agreement with what God says, with what God thinks. And here's what I want us, the challenge that I have for you guys tonight, church, is we need to repent of any of the times we have ever come into agreement with the thought of, I'm just a blank. God can't use me, I'm just a kid. God can't use me, I'm just a housewife. God can't use me, I'm just a... I'm just an old drunk. God can't use me. I'm, I have too many doubts. I'm 
Church, we need to repent. We need to rethink. Because God never says that about us. He never says that about us. What does He say about us? That we are forgiven. That we are redeemed. That we are His. That we are precious. You guys, religion makes it about the checklist of how to approve, you know, gain His approval. Jesus made it about relationship. And in it, He's like, you're forgiven. Come on, man. Let's go. Follow me and you'll accomplish amazing things. Let's go. Things bigger than you. Uh, Still in verse 4. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So it's, it's very dark. So Jesus said to them, Children, do you not have any fish? Do you? Or children, you you do not have any fish, do you? I like that better. The emphasis, do you? That's just what a fisherman wants to hear. After they've been fishing all night and they catch, you know, zero, zilch, nada. Hey, you didn't catch anything, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. They answered him, no. Because <laughs> at this point, it's dark. They don't know it's Jesus. And he said to them, Cast the net on the other side of the boat and you will find a catch. At that point, they should have known because he had done that to them before. He had said that to them before. And they had an amazing catch. Hmm. So they cast. And then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, by the way, the disciple that Jesus loved is John. This is the book of John. I don't know if he's humble or I don't know what it is, but he just refers to the disciple that Jesus loved. So, but anyways, I got distracted. <laughs> um, so they cast, therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garments, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. I love the passionate urgency of Peter. I love the passionate urgency of Peter. Just as we see Peter when he heard that the tomb was empty, he ran. Now he wasn't faster than John, so John got there ahead of him. But I want to point something out. Peter is a better swimmer than John. Peter jumped in and started swimming. He's like, sucker, you already beat me once with the foot race, but I'm, I'm a better swimmer. And John didn't even jump in. So I, Peter's definitely a better swimmer than John. The sense of urgency. At, at, at John's saying, it is the Lord. Friends, if we suspect it's God, we need to run to Him. Today, Went to the funeral. Carol was part of the worship team, so dropped her off. Me and the kids went to McDonald's to eat. Young man, uh, looked like you know, teenager, maybe 18, 19, 20. I don't know, just probably not 20. Young, young man behind the counter, and uh, getting the food. He was a friendly guy, and the Lord spoke a word to me for him. So I got my food and I went and sat back down, and he's still speaking the word. So I'm like. Guys, I'm going to go back up and buy some more burgers. You know, there's some people, you know, back there that are probably hungry. I'm going to get some more burgers. Uh, I'll be back. So I walk up, 
I order eight more McDoubles with cheese. And I said, hey, I don't know what you believe, uh, but I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus. And he just gave me a word for you. I just want to let you know. Um, keep your eyes on Jesus. You will find success. God has success for you. He has blessings for you. You're going to experience success, but keep your eyes on him through the good times, through the bad times. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He has blessing for you. You will be successful at everything you put your hand to. Keep your eyes on him. And he just had this big old huge grin. He's like, thank you, sir. I I needed to hear that. I'm like, God bless you, man. Took my doubles left. Why? Because it was the appearance of God, man. For that moment, I, I heard him speak and I passionately jumped in. If we suspect it's God, friends, we need to act upon it with faith. You got to love Peter's heart to get to Jesus. Verse 9. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. I want to point out the second instance of just that cool symmetry with Jesus. And that's in the area of fire. When Peter denied Jesus, he was huddled around a fire for warmth. God loved him enough to say, I don't want fire to be associated with your failure. I want fire to be associated with my provision. Just as something, would God really do that? Absolutely, He'd do that. Why? Because He, because it's relationship. He's your father, He's your brother, He's your friend. He's not an icon or an image or a religious token. We gotta, we gotta understand that. Of course, He would do that. Just as any good friend would do that. Just as any good father or mother or son or daughter would do that. So Jesus associates Peter, or this time to Peter, with my provision. He, he makes breakfast for him. He has fish. They're waiting for him. Which brings up an interesting thing. It says there's already fish on the fire, right? There's already fish on the grill. But Jesus says, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Right? Has anyone ever, has everyone found that curious? He's got fish on the fire. So why is he asking for fish? Because Jesus believes in the principles of first fruits and of tithing. They just had this huge, massive haul of fish. And he says, bring some of the fish that you've gotten for me. It doesn't say they ate it. It doesn't say they filleted it. It doesn't, see, it doesn't say any of that. Because he already had fish there. Which brings up another interesting question. Where did Jesus get the fish from? We don't know. But let's play a little game I like to call, what if? I don't know. It just... Give me a little bit of room here. What if? What if while they're out there fishing with futility and and not catching anything, Jesus walks by another fisherman who came in and that fisherman just had enough to feed his family. He also had a poor catch. This is what if. And what if Jesus says, I have a more noble purpose for that fish. Will you give them to me? What if? The fisherman said, yeah, this isn't even hardly enough to provide a meal for my family. 
here you go. What if that's the meal that he prepared for his disciples? And then what if when he said, hey, bring some of the fish that you said they caught 153 giant fish. I don't know how giant they were. I'm, I mean, you know, fish tails, baby. They're huge. So he said, bring some of that to me. What if then Jesus had that fish later provided, delivered to the man? You know, it's all what ifs, I know. But just bear with me. And said, hey, here you go. This is from Jesus. Jesus told me to bring this to you. I, I'm going to need a few of your sons because it was a big catch. And I, I couldn't carry all of them. There's about 15.3 of these things i got to bring to you. What if? Why do I even entertain this imaginary scenario? You guys, God's ways are not our ways. But I do know this. We've got to trust God. Obedience, if we ever want to grow in our relationship with God, there has to be obedience on our part. I talked about grace last week. Justification and sanctification. Justification is this. It says we have been justified in Christ Jesus. Justified means this. Just if I'd never sinned. A baby. A beautiful, precious baby. No sin. No blemish. No flaw. Just perfect. Smells like a baby. Kiss baby. Perfect. Just as if I'd never sinned. Okay? That's God's grace. And then there's a the word Sanctification. What does that mean? That means we have to walk it out. Because see, I don't... If you caught me a couple hours ago, I didn't sound like Jesus. And I didn't act like Jesus. And I didn't look like Jesus. But I still turn to Jesus and run to Jesus. And I walk it out. That's sanctification. I, I, I find myself obedient. Mark, there's a young man there. I want to encourage him. Give him a word. Right there in the middle of McDonald's. The line can wait. Give him a word. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. If we want to grow in the Lord, there has to be obedience to Him. There has to be obedience as we walk it out in sanctification. Does that make sense? So now you're saying it's about us. No, I'm not saying it's about us, but do you want to grow? Because if you want to grow, you've got to walk. You've got to walk it out. And you've got to walk it out and let Jesus sharpen you and strengthen you. I mean, you want to walk around... Like a baby walks? Or you want to walk strong? Like a soldier strong? You know, you've got to walk it out. You've got to practice it. That's what we do in our walk with Christ. Obviously, the little... I just want to drive this home. My little what-if scenario, there's no scriptural basis for anything I said. But just know this. God's ways are perfect. He got the fish somewhere. And he asked for a fish for the, the other fish for a reason. Verse 11. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him. Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. Now, this is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I want to pause for a second. If you've been serving, this church is three years old, okay? 
There's some of you that have been here for since the day we started. Others, you, you joined right away. You've walked with us for two years and a year. And can you imagine a scenario? I don't care how dark it is or how tired you are or how weary you've been from fishing. Can you imagine a scenario where I call out to you, I stand there, and you and you don't recognize it being me? Can you imagine a scenario where that, hey, did you chumps catch anything? Oh, that's Mark. Oh, dude. But yet they didn't recognize Jesus. The Jesus that Michael read about, that's the resurrected Jesus Christ. There was such a transformation that took place that John fell to his knees, didn't recognize him in trembling, and Jesus puts his right hand on him and says, fear not. The resurrected Jesus, he's not the baby in the manger. He's not the, the good shepherd. He's not just the good shepherd. He's not just the good teacher. He is our risen, resurrected Savior. And that is who we have life in. God, we don't have life in the baby. We don't have life in the teacher. Because there's been lots of good teachers. Paul was a great teacher. We don't find our life in Paul. We find our life in the risen Savior. So that's why they didn't recognize him. Verse 15. So when they had finished breakfast... Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me, what, more than these? Do you love me more than these? More than these. What are the these? What are the these? What about the boats or the nets? Peter said, I'm going fishing. For all intents and purposes, tendered his resignation. So what if Jesus is saying, Peter, do you, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these boats and these nets which you return to? Do you love me more than that place of comfort? That place of security? That, that place of familiarity that you're just comfortable with? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your past? Friends, do we love Jesus more than our way of life? Do we love Jesus more than our comforts and our securities? Do we love Jesus more than our rights? Do we love Jesus more than our sins? Do we love Jesus more than our comforts? Peter drew in a net of 153 fish. Just to think about this, homeboy's got to be pretty yoked. I mean, that's... And by any means, 153 fish has to be symbolic of success in his field. Uh, Peter, do you love me than this success? Man, you had a great catch today. Do you love me more than that success? Do you love me more than these? My friends, do we love Jesus more than our livelihood? Do we love him more than 
success in our chosen field. Peter was surrounded by friends, right? He was surrounded by disciples. He went fishing with friends. He said, I'm going fishing. People followed him, which is a great lesson. Leaders lead. Either good or bad, leaders lead. People follow. He went fishing. They followed. They said, we're going with you. He didn't invite them. He said, I'm going fishing. They said, we're coming with you. So now there he is. Just had a good fish breakfast. He's surrounded by friends. Peter, do you love me more than these? Think about it. Think about it. He was alone. He denied Jesus. I don't know if any of us have felt that alone as he felt that night when he ran for fear from his life after denying Jesus three times. He was alone. And here he is now surrounded by his brothers. Do you love me more than you love the comfort of having a strong group of friends? Do you love me more than your social status? Do you love me more than your popularity? Peter, do you love me more than you love them? Friends, do we love Jesus more than we love the acceptance of others? What's more important to us? Just to drive it home. What's more important to us? Being accepted and approved by others or being accepted, loved, and approved by God? This is the honest truth. I I can't even tell you how many people are in line behind me at McDonald's. I I don't care. Their McNuggets weren't going nowhere. We've got to love Jesus more than we do the approval of others. I don't care if people that didn't approve are approved or not. I don't care. I, I, I truly don't care. It would have been a better story if someone would have cussed me out. I'd come back and I'd tell you what they said. I'd use the letter representing what they said. But, you know, I wouldn't say the whole thing. I'd just be like, yeah, you know, F-bomb. You know, but no one cussed me out. But, but you know, I actually I would have like, liked it better if someone would have said some snide remark. I don't care what people think. Do you care what people think when it comes to you walking it out in relationship with Jesus? See, no one else died for me. No one else lived for me. See, that's what I love. See, Jesus died for me, but now he lives for me. He rose from the grave. He died for me, and I love him for it. But he lives for me now, and I love him for it. On this beach scene, Jesus leads Peter through an experience that would remove the cloud of his denial. The third instance of Jesus providing some very cool order and symmetry to Peter's restoration is the repeating three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. So Jesus asks Peter three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus had just demonstrated the full extent of God's love by dying for us on that cross, by conquering death, conquering the grave. He demonstrated God's love. And now he's asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? The Greek language has more than one word for love. For for us, I can go, Hawk, I love you. And... I love peanut butter and chocolate ice cream. 
And I love the original A-Team series, Mr. T. I love all those things. And it's the same word, love, love, love. In Greek, they have the word eros, which means love on the physical level. It's where we get erotic from. They have the word phileo, which is a friendly kind of love, a fondness kind of love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, that's phileo. Then there's the word agape, which is love on the highest level. Radical love. Radical love. Love that's willing to lay down his life for a friend, a brother. Love love that the camp counselor dives in when he sees the kid going down and the camp counselor saves the kid from drowning. That's agape. That's radical love. Jesus Christ, what he did for us, agape, radical love. As Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Please keep something in mind. Peter walked with Jesus, right? He heard the teachings. He sat on the mounts and heard, heard the messages, right? So Peter was familiar with this passage from John chapter 14. When Jesus says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So here's Jesus disclosing himself to Peter saying, Do you love me? What is he really asking? Will you keep my commandments? Are you willing to put your money where your mouth is? Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. The first time Jesus says, Peter, do you love, do you agape me more than these? Do you agape me more than these? Do you have radical love for me more than these? The second time Jesus focused on Peter alone. He didn't use the more than these. But he still uses the word agape. Peter, do you have radical love for me? Before I get to the third time, let's let's see what what the response is that he had. So let's can we go back one verse? So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, this is Peter's response. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. Peter's response wasn't agape. Jesus says, Peter, do you have radical love for me? And Peter goes, yes, Lord, you know I am fond of you. Lord, you know I have friendship for you. Lord, you know I'm your friend. Jesus says, tend to my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? Do you have radical love for me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I have fondness for you. You know that I'm your friend. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. 
He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But this time he doesn't use agape. He says, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? You know what he's saying? Simon, are you even my friend? Are you even my friend? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, are you even my friend? Do you love me? Do you phileo me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. You know that I'm your friend. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. So here's what's awesome about this, guys. The symmetry of what God has here. Three times, Peter denied. Three times, Jesus says, do you love me? But check it out. I'm not even up here standing you telling you that that Peter nailed it. I'm not up here telling you Peter nailed the test and passed it. Peter was honest and vulnerable. But Jesus was saying, if you love me, there's work to be done. Tend to my sheep. Care for my sheep. Love the sheep. There's work to be done. Friends, if we love God, if we have fondness for God, if we have a friendship with Jesus, there's still work to be done. But guys, that's not what I'm up here asking. I'm asking us to be radically loving of Jesus Christ. Radically loving. I promise you this. We won't be left empty-handed. We won't be defined by our failures when we're radically loving of Jesus Christ. We won't stay in a state of depression and a, a funk of darkness when we set our eyes on Jesus and we capture, we, we let Him capture our heart. How would you respond to Jesus if He said, "Do you love me? Do you really love me?" Are you even my friend? How would we respond to that? Are we willing to serve him? That's really what Jesus is asking. Are you willing to put your money where your mouth is? But isn't that awesome though? Who wants to be fake? Lord, you know I'm flawed. Yep. Feed my sheep. Lord, you know I'm a sinner. I know. Feed my sheep. You, you're going to trust me with your sheep? I denied you three times. I am weak. I am flawed. I'm impetuous. You're going to trust me with your sheep. You got it. Because I know who you are. Are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to serve? Friends, we're not defined by our flaws. We're not defined by our failures. But there has to be a willingness to surrender and to say, okay. Peter said to himself once again, I'll be a, I'll be a fisherman once again. And Jesus replied with, no, follow me. Just a couple of verses later, verse 19. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. After all this, once again on the Sea of Galilee, 
After all the denials, after everything, Jesus says, follow me. Even after Peter doesn't ace the test and says, Lord, you know I'm your friend. You know I have fondness for you. He says, all right, follow me. Friends, you don't got to be perfect. You don't got to ace the test. But are you willing to follow? Are you willing to trust? You don't got to be perfect. Check this out. Guess how many times in the rest of the Bible Peter's denial is mentioned? How many times in the rest of the Bible is Peter's denial mentioned? It's the exact same number of times that Peter's falling by by being blown out the sword is mentioned. It's the same amount of times that any of Peter's sins are mentioned after that. Zero! Never again does Jesus say, or anyone say, oh, that's Peter. He denied. We are not defined by our failures or our denials, but we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. So check this out. How is Peter defined? Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice to the crowd, a mass crowd, and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. Here we have Peter, who, who denied Jesus and ran, now standing boldly. The same turmoil, the same fear, the same things exist. But he stands boldly and says, Men, heed my words. Listen to me. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, the crowd, they were pierced to the heart. And then Peter and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his words were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So then, how will your story be told? You're the protagonist. You're, you're walking it out, man. The, the story, the story, Jesus. The book, Jesus. You're the one walking it out. How's the story going to be told? How many times did you get knocked down? I can tell you how many times I got up. It's okay if you get knocked down. It's okay if you fall. You've got to just get back up. Your story is about getting back up and looking to Jesus, following Him. Follow me. Follow me, but I blew it. Follow me, but I'm flawed. Follow me. We got to get this, folks. We got to get this. You don't come to him cleaned up, polished, and presentable. It's ironic that I'm wearing this. I never wear this. I want to look like Brad tonight. I want to wear that. Shorts and flip flops. We don't come to him all polished up and pretty and smelling nice. 
We don't take a bath and a shower and put on our best before we come to Him in hopes of earning His approval. We come to Him junk and sweat and crap and everything. We come to Him just and we go, can you really use this? He goes, you bet. Follow me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person that's in this place tonight, Lord God. I thank you for every person that you wanted to hear this message. Lord, there's not a person here tonight that is here by coincidence. You wanted everyone to hear this message. Because this message is about you and your goodness and your belief in us. Yes, Lord, we believe in you, but you believe in us. And it's about your call saying, follow me. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I just rebuke the lies of the enemy that we have bought into that says we're not worthy, that says we're not deserving, that says we don't measure up, but I'm just a blank. And we just we rebuke those lies in Jesus' name. And Lord, we cling to your truth that you are good and you are great and your mercy endures forever. So Lord, I just speak freedom right now in this place, Lord, right now. Friends, just receive his freedom. Right now where you sit, receive his freedom. You are his. He loves you. It's not about what you've done in this. not about what you can do for him. It's about he loves you. Receive his grace right now. Receive his grace right now. Receive his mercy right now. Receive his validation right now. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. He loves you. I want to make this quick and simple because I believe that's what Jesus wants. If there's anyone here tonight that wants to place their trust in Him, that wants to say, I believe this Jesus you're preaching about. I believe that He loves me. I believe that it's just that simple. And that I can run to him right now and he will lift me and he will wash me and he will love me just as I am. I don't have to fix a bunch of stuff before coming to him. I can come to him right now. And I want to place my life in those hands. If that's you and you've never done that, you've never declared your trust in Jesus Christ, but you want to right now. In fact, nothing could stop you from doing it right now. I just want you to raise your hand and lock eyes with me. My eyes are open. Is there anyone that this day wants to make that proclamation? Lord, I give my life to you. I trust my life with you. Make it obvious, folks, just just that you and I know that God's doing something. Let's open our eyes for a second. How many of us are guilty of of buying into the lie that God can't use me because I'm just a... How many of us? How many of us bought into that lie? You guys. He wants to use all of us. That's a great thing, man. We can trust him. He is who he says he is. And he never gives up on us.
Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. His love never fails for you guys. His love never fails for me. Let's look to Him. Let's run to Him. Let's say yes to Him. Hey, follow me. Let's just get up and walk beside Him. Amen? Amen.